Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. I sure do appreciate y'all joining me each day, give me a little bit of your time, and hope that you're getting something out of it, and hope that the country is, even if just a little bit as well too. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and help it to grow, as it seems to be doing month after month lately. Thank you so much. I'm very appreciative and grateful for it. Y'all help spread the word and tell others about it. And and that means a great deal. Thank you so much. So we're going to go for one of our little walks down the road. It remains oppressively hot and dry. And I think about the only thing other than the heat I have is We have had to kill three uh, rat snakes, chicken snakes, and the coop over the last five days. Pretty big ones. Somewhere between five and six feet long each one was. And pretty healthy too. I think they've been getting quite a few eggs. And maybe got a chick or two. And I don't like killing things. Not a big fan of it. It's just out in the country. It's kind of something that you have to do. It's just part of life. But my wife has been chronicling, chronically, chronicling this, if that's the right, I can't speak today, and posting it on her social media. And people are kind of, it's like a morbid interest, right? Like they want to know, okay, what's going to happen? Like, what are you going to find tonight, right? Like when you go out to the coop to lock the chickens up, what's going to be there looking for you? So it's a little bit entertaining in a way to walk out you just you have no idea it's so dry right now that we've got all these creatures coming up at any rate uh so we'll see what we find we'll keep checking i'll let you know we're going to talk today uh man this what we're going to talk about today has pulled in two or three different podcasts that I have planned coming up and I'm not going to try and cram everything in because it's just it's too much even just this one topic is too much but we're going to talk about why the church has to take the lead in America today and and we've given it up and you can see that in a number of places uh, everywhere we have given up the lead the left has used that as an excuse to come in and step in and try and make the state take the place of God. And so, you know, I pick on a couple of topics pretty hard. Uh, one of them that we're going to talk about again, again today is the feminist movement. Well, if you really want to get down to the base of the problem, though, where's the greatest failing? If, if men are supposed to lead, then the failure has to be with those leaders. You know, in the Marine Corps... If failure happened, the the CO at whatever level was responsible. Nobody came looking to the Lance Corporal or Corporal or PFC or even Sergeant or Staff Sergeant. They went to the CO and they said, why is this messed up? Why did you let this happen? What happened? You know, like they're responsible. And, and you know, when you're talking as a Christian, that's where God's going to look, folks, in our marriages. Uh, and yeah, the wife has a responsibility, 100%, to respect and submit. Those are clearly outlined in the New Testament, and God's going to talk to her about that. But 
as men, as husbands, God's going to come looking to the leader. He's going to say, you were responsible. I gave you responsibility for this family, this wife first, and then these children, if you have children. What did you do? Were you a good steward with that? Did you give them time? Did you make them your second priority after me? Or did you make uh, golf and hunting and social media and whatever else it is, folks, for you, reading books for entertainment, shopping, you know? And really, the, the same question is going to be asked of the wife, but, but in a much different way, I think. But the question is still going to be, did you make your husband your second priority after me? Or did you focus on what you wanted to do? And so, as a country, if we're really going to get down to it, you, you got to talk to men and you got to talk about the church. So we're going to go back and read a couple of quotes here. The first one I'm going to turn to is John Jay, who was the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. One of our commented, I, I believe by John Adams, said he was one of the three main founding fathers that, that made the revolutionary war made the made the revolution successful so a huge pillar of the founding of our country and he said providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our christian nation to select and prefer christians for their rulers we have a responsibility to choose christians as rulers in America, regardless of if you're a Christian or not, he didn't, he didn't delineate there. This was just a flat statement. We have a duty to choose people that follow the principles from Christ. And this is where this comment that I always put out there comes into play. If it doesn't matter whether you choose to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I mean, it, it matters to me. I would strongly recommend it. <laughs> In fact, I would, I would tell you to make that decision before you make any others. But if you can't get there, and you, don't, you can't be forced to that. Our founders were very clear on that. Freedom of religion. But as a republic, we have to understand that our country can only survive with a people that follow the principles of Christ. Which really, honestly, the very first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Right? Love your neighbors yourself. That's the second one, the golden rule. Pretty simple uh, to start with and then expounds on that some, right? And this was a Supreme Court justice, which if I get time, I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about a podcast we have coming up at the end. We'll see. But a big deal, big deal that this, the John Jay, first Supreme Court Chief Justice. Another one, Charles Grandison, if I said that right, Finney. 1792-1875, one of the greatest American preachers of the early, early 19th century, was an educator, author, and the president of Oberlin College, Ohio. He believed every human life was valuable, strongly supported giving freedom to the slaves. Under his direction as president, Oberlin College was the first university in America to award college degrees to women and to blacks, as well as being a busy railroad a station on the Underground Railroad. College graduated first black woman ever in the United States with a bachelor's degree. Her name was Mary Jane Patterson. Famous lectures on revivals in 1835 had a powerful impact in England, profoundly affecting George Williams, who went on to found the Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA, in 1844. 
as well as inspiring William and Catherine Booth, who founded the Salvation Army in 1865. Finney, Finney helped form the Benevolent Empire, which was a great network of volunteer societies organized to aid in solving social problems. Among them were the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions, 1810, American Bible Society, 1816, American Sunday School Union, 1817, American Tract Society, 1826, American Home Mission Society, 1826, and American Temperance Society, 1826. By 1834, the budget of these organizations was almost as large as the federal budget of that time. Charles Finney said concerning the kingdom of God, Every member must work or quit. There are no honorary members. Uh, one real interesting kind of side note here, right, is you get that, that the budget of these private charitable organizations was almost as large as the federal government at that time. Our federal government has gone way off track, has way too much money, is way too large because it's doing things that the church should be doing, that the church should have taken the lead on, that the church has given the ball up on, that we as Christians in the church have allowed to be taken away because we've allowed the left to come in and say, no, 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 can't have God in here. We got to have the state. The state is God. The state is in control. So that, I, that was just in the description of, this is from the America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotes. That was just an introduction to Finney. A phenomenal little comment there, right? Uh, your, your private organizations, much better, phenomenally better at giving support to people than the government. And another little side note there, right? Huge supporter for freeing the slaves happened again to be a white Christian male. So another little quote side note, unquote. And then his quote about every member must work or quit. I just wanted to kind of read through this. Uh, there's a, this is second Thessalonians 3:10. For even when we were with you, this, we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. There's no reasonable argument for the welfare state uh, in our founding or in the principles of the New Testament. Socialism, despite what the left says, despite what people who claim to be Christians say, there is no basis for socialism in the teachings of Christ. Never once did he say, point a spear, point a gun at somebody else and tell them, you're going to give me this money so that I can give to somebody else to pretend to be charitable and benevolent. It's just not there. Another, this is a big deal from Finney that I wanted to read today. The church must take the right ground in regards to politics. The time has come for Christians to vote for honest men and take consistent ground in politics or the Lord will curse them. God cannot sustain this free and blessed country, which we love and pray for, unless the church will take the right ground. Politics are a part of a religion in such a country as this. And Christians must do their duty to the country as part of their duty to God. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. This brings to mind, I didn't think of it earlier, I apologize, the quote from, I believe, Patrick Henry talking about whether all these blessings would prove a, a 
an actual blessing or a curse was based on how we use them. And, and he was talking about, my brain just went away. <laughs> I apologize. But he was, he was talking about, uh, oh, the, the proverb, sin is a reproach to any nation, uh, but righteousness exalts a nation. And so, you know, if we use these blessings that God gave us, right, then as in, in, in the way that he wants us to in the right way, then it'll be a blessing. And if we don't, a curse. And Finney's saying the same thing here again. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. I hear a lot of people over the last, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, maybe even longer than that, talk about, well, I'm just, I'm a Christian. I'm just not going to be involved in the world. Nowhere ever is that Jesus Christ said to be involved in the world, right? So in a Christian nation, which we are founded that way, at least we were, we need to be involved in politics. The church needs to take a role in politics. And yeah, there's a lot of tie-ins here to the, the tax-exempt status and all this other stuff. But the bottom line is, if we're going to have a free republic, the church has to lead. And we have to have, you go back to John Jay, first Supreme Court Chief Justice. We have to have men who are going to step up and do that and lead right all right so <laughs> i'm going to tie this in i don't think i'm going to have time for the judicial side of it and, and that's okay but i am going to go back and tie this into something we talked about last week which is the feminism part because almost as soon as i put that podcast something else popped up it's just like one thing after the next folks and we you know, this Churchill biography that I've been reading and talking to you all about occasionally, and I'm going to come back and talk to, one of the things that the British did during the 1930s is every time Hitler got kind of quiet, they were like, oh, okay, we're good now. We're good. As he's done. He's not going to do any more. We made it. And, and that's what we have done for decades here in the United States politically as, as conservatives, patriots, people on the right, however you want to say it. Every time we get a little victory or, or, or just manage to stop the left just for a moment, we go, oh man, okay, man, we're good, we're good. We don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't like talking about that anyway. It's so uncomfortable. It makes, you know, it makes family gatherings so nasty and we're just, we're just gonna put that to the side. We don't need to talk about that, right? So we talked about last week, the woman of the year, who's actually a man from the NCAA, right? That's who they've put up for woman of the year as a man. Um, and we talked about something else that escapes my mind right now. And as soon as I got off of this, I saw a little post that Webster's has changed the definition. They've amended the definition of female, right? So now if you go online, and I'm looking at it right now, folks. If you go online under the definition of female, under entry 1B, having a gender identity that is the opposite of male, a gender identity. So what they're doing, right? They're saying, if you think you're a female, if you think you're the opposite of a male, which is ironic, right? Because by definition, then they're saying that there's only two genders, male and female, because the opposite, right? I guess, I, I don't know. You'd have to, you can think about that one on your own and let me know what you think. But the point is still, they now have part of the definition in Webster's that's supposed to be used for our children, folks. Like. 
This book is used in schools across the country. And I don't know if they've changed the hard copy that's used when kids are taking a test, but so many of these tests that we go through are going online, right? So if this is the definition that they're pulling from, this is, I mean, this is again, a, a subtle, a roundabout way, an attack in the families and education, a gender identity that is the opposite of male. Uh, it's just, it's mind boggling. And so, this how this ties in, right? Uh, and, and there's another part I wanted to mention real quick. I've talked about briefly. Uh, for most of my life, I've been a member of a Methodist church in different parts of the country, uh, wherever we moved with the Marine Corps, my wife and I, and uh, with a couple of notable exceptions. And, and these were longer stints at independent Bible churches. And one of the major differences between these Bible churches and the modern Methodist church was that the Bible churches followed, adhered to teaching in the New Testament. Shocking, you would think that all churches would adhere to teaching in the New Testament. And this is from 1 Timothy 2.12. And there's a number of different versions out there, but you can go look it up. This is King James. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Whether you like it or not, folks, you can get mad at me if you want to, but I just pulled that straight out of the New Testament. It's very clear. You cannot put a woman in authority over a man. And both of these churches, uh, which were had phenomenal pastors, uh, they both adhered to that. They did not have women in authority over men in those churches. The Methodist church has for decades now allowed this. And what's going on in the Methodist church right now? In the Methodist church right now, we're, we're splitting over whether you're gonna ordain same-sex LGBTQ relationship lifestyles as far as marriage, uh, whether you're gonna marry them or whether you're gonna ordain them. Well, where did that come from? Well, that goes back to feminism again, because as soon as we started pretending that men and women were the same, not equal, which we are, but the same, well, now we've gotten to the point where you literally are. You look at Webster's definition again, and I just heard of this last few days, folks. Maybe some of y'all knew it. Uh, I don't think it's been changed for that long, but when you start changing the definition of words in order to meet your agenda, then we start to run into serious problems, right? So all of this kind of ties in. You go back to Finney's comment there, which is the church has got to take an active role in politics. And this is, this is really what has become so apparent the more I've done this podcast is the 47 ruling of separation in church and state, folks, it took God out of our public life. And there was a reason the left wanted him out. Because then they could start to change things. Then they could start to make things be what they wanted it to be. Because, because without God, right, there's no black and white moral standards. The standards are whatever you want them to be. Um, and so all of this kind of wrapped in together. I hope it made a little bit of sense to you. The bottom line is we, we have got to have men back in leadership positions that are Christian men. As John Jay said, our very first Supreme Court Chief Justice. So, 
Sure do appreciate it. Thank y'all for going on this little walk with me. I always look forward to talking to y'all. Look forward to the comments that y'all give me back. Uh, the feedback. I got, got some great feedback recently online. So for those of y'all that are putting that out there, I really appreciate that. Um, and it's, it's very encouraging. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.